I think it might have actually stopped snowing. I'm so excited. Well, I'm excited for a couple of reasons. One, it stopped snowing, and two, we get to spend the next hour talking with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. A lot to talk about this afternoon. Mayor, appreciate the time. Are you uh, working from home this afternoon? City offices closed up early today because of the weather. Right, they did. Uh, no, I'm in my office. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a little treacherous out there. I see a couple people getting stuck over by the county building, but yeah. uh, they're able to get pushed out. But, uh, yeah, it's surprisingly uh, more snow today than what I thought there'd be. Are you all alone in the building since uh, everybody else is supposed to is supposed to close down? I'm the only one here at the radio station right now, <laughs> so I wonder if you're the only one there at City Hall at the moment. Yeah, I think there's uh, skeleton crews. Uh, yeah. I know Julia Frederick, communications director, here as well as uh, Tony. You know, your cohort back in the day. Hey, back in the day. Some stories. Uh, <laughs> but they were going to come in for the budget, and uh, but we've canceled that since uh, – you know, uh, yeah. or the council's canceled that, so we'll have that Monday. Yeah, no budget and corporation council right. and some other other areas they have just skeleton crews uh, here. Let me ask you because what's on everybody's mind right now, obviously, is getting the roads back into shape. I know public works crews have been really hard at this for a couple of days now. How satisfied are you with the job public works is doing and trying to stay ahead of the storm? I think uh, Director Nate Bottoms done a great job, and of course he'll pass on the kudos to the uh, you know the front line, which is what really carries us through, but also uh, he planned well ahead and uh, especially with contractors instead of waiting, got them out. I think uh, probably timed that pretty close as perfect as you could. And they did the ancillary roads or subdivisions in the outskirts. So uh, the crews could concentrate more on the main thoroughfares. So you uh, you feel like this is a plan that's working and, and making the kind of progress you want to see? I know it's a major storm event. There's only so much you can do, but you, you feel good about how this plan has been implemented? I think it's, uh, they'll always regroup. Uh, there's probably always room for improvement. So, uh, you know, the moment you say, oh, it's worked great, and then <laughs> you'll get 10 calls saying why it didn't. But uh, they'll regroup it like they do after every uh, snow emergency and uh, see what worked well, what didn't, and always try to tweak uh, perfection, if you will. Well, Mayor, let's move on to a few other issues then. And I want to start with uh, with Lincoln Library. You uh, dismissed the director of the library a couple of weeks back. You went before the library board last week. They described themselves as having been blindsided by the move. And the former director herself says she was blindsided by it and said she had not really been getting uh, much of any guidance from you during her tenure here uh, and was surprised when, when she was ultimately dismissed. It's not the first time we've heard things like this also. Mayor, so let me just uh, ask you, uh, first of all, just in general terms, uh, are you communicating well enough with your staff? And are you, uh, what is what are the incidents like this saying about your leadership style? Well, I think it uh, depends on the director you ask. Uh, you know, I'm not a micromanager. I mean, uh, the first term I was, you know, um, a little bit different, not too much. Uh, but, you know, people complain then, oh, you're too much of a micromanager. And then if you uh, let things go a little bit, let them um, take their course of action, which they should. You know, everybody gets paid well to be that professional to lead whatever department, just like we talked about Nate Bottom in that direction. But, you know, I provide feedback uh, on uh, depends on the situation. But when you're, you know, someone says, well, they talk about evaluations, things of that nature. When you're a director in an exempt position, just like I am, we're judged each and every day on what transpires. So, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, for herself, I'm not going to get dive into the weeds, so to speak, but I know uh, she must not have been totally happy since she was 
applying elsewhere. Yeah, partly, she said, because of pay, uh, partly because of the, the library's governance structure, partly, she said, because she would send you emails and things. She'd try to communicate with you and felt like she wasn't getting any response. Um, and, and as I said, this isn't the first time we've heard complaints like this. But but let me ask you about the library. You say you want to go in a new direction. Uh, the library board asked you to elaborate last week, uh, and you, you gave a, a fairly lengthy answer that, I'll be honest, when it was done, I still wasn't quite sure the direction you're wanting to head with it. So can you uh, boil it down for us a little bit? What are you wanting to see from Lincoln Library that you had not been seeing uh, over these last couple of years? Well, in this day and age with any department, uh, I've said this before, and it's more of a global view of things. Uh, how we engage with the community is totally different uh, pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic. And when you look at the library in particular, uh, it's, you know, it's more, you know, it used to be you go in there and do your research with the books, things of that nature. Now it's more the community type engagement, especially with our young people. How do you get them engaged uh, with the services that can be offered through the library? And you felt like you communicated those goals to the director and she just wasn't implementing them or? Well, like I said, uh, you know, the tipping point, I'm not going to dive into reasons uh, what I'm moving forward, but the tipping point is when you have people that have been there uh, that you thought would be there for a long time leaving, uh, you know, that's kind of a red flag. So uh, that was kind of the tipping point for me. But what I've done since with uh, Director Cook, who's the HR director, we met with uh, the majority of staff and you know, just ask them, uh, you know, how things are going, what they'd like to see, uh, you know, those general discussions, and, uh, you know, we're moving in a positive direction. Any idea when you'll name a replacement director? Uh, well, hopefully sooner rather than later. So, um, you know, it uh, could be within the uh, – probably be an acting director and probably hopefully within the next – week or two. And uh, the the budget that uh, the city council is working on right now, uh, one of the line items in there was for a bookmobile uh, for Lincoln Library. Do you uh, think that is going to uh, to proceed and would that reach that level of community engagement that you want? Well, actually, that was a concept brought by Will O'Hearn, you know, the previous director and was cut out. Uh, but yeah, we plan on moving forward in that direction. I'm not sure we'll take it all out of the uh, endowment that was uh, bequested to the city for the benefit of the library, but um, we'll probably uh, do at least half of the, because uh, it is an expensive piece of equipment, but that's a uh, part of it. But, you know, a lot of times um, it's really about the people that carry out. You know, you can have the structure, but you really have to have the people engaged that really can carry out the importance of whatever piece of equipment you're using. And the bookmobile is a tool that you can utilize for community engagement, but it's really up to the individuals that are, you know, driving the bookmobile and, you know, talking to the individuals that uh, you're trying to reach out to. Mayor, along the same lines, I want to ask you about uh, another issue that is kind of a, a personnel matter, but we had uh, spoken last week after the fire department consultants report came out, uh, and we talked about the fact that some aldermen have been upset about uh, the overtime costs in the fire department, had questioned whether Chief Blau had really done enough to get this under control, and I asked you a couple of times last week on the air, if you had you know, full faith and confidence in the chief, you basically said it's up to the chief to uh, to lay out his vision for how he's going to deal with this. And when I asked you if he'd had if you'd had conversations with him on that, you'd said you hadn't in, in any great detail. So I guess right. it comes down again to, uh, you know, are you clearly communicating what you are expecting from your directors? Do they have the information they need to do the job you want them to do? Well, in the case of uh, Chief Blau, uh, I think that was a question that was brought up uh, because of 
Alderman Rep passed comments right. about changing positions. And in that case, uh, you know, I just had a discussion actually with the union today and about that very item is uh, allowing the chief to lead the department, um, you know, within the like the police chief's able to do. And a lot of that, I think, is related to the contract. Um, so with regards to that, uh, I did have discussions with Chief Lau since that point in time. So that question has, uh, um, you know, gathered steam, if you will. And uh, from the report, like I said back then, he'll, you know, he's going to dive into the report that the consultant provided and we'll come up with what he thinks is the his vision for the fire department. You know, I had a pretty frank discussion. And previously, this has been communicated where if you could build the firefight fire department of the future, don't, you know, avoid any, uh, you know, don't take into regard the uh, contract or manning or anything of that nature. But if you could place the locations of the fire stations and, you know, kind of build it from ground zero, what would it look like? And so, you know, that's what he's going to take into consideration along with the consultant's report, and uh, we'll have those further discussions as we move forward. Obviously, though, you can't uh, you can't do it without taking the contract and things like that into Correct. consideration. Uh, is there any update on the contract? You mentioned you had a conversation with the union. Do you feel like you're making headway on some of these issues? Well, I think the reason, uh, well, the reason I impress that upon him again is because of what, uh, you know, what was stressed uh, by Alderman Redpath. I think that's the frustration is too many times, you know, um, he comes from the ranks, which is fine, but you're somewhat tied to the union maybe too heavily. And I think that was the frustration that was uh, expressed by uh, some of the Alderman's comments, things of that nature. So that's why uh, kind of clarified things that way, you know, you know, block everything out. And then where would you place things or how would you become more effective as a leader of a fire department? So that's why I impressed upon him about that. But um, with regards to, um, uh, I couldn't remember what your question is. I just wanted to clarify that part. Yeah, as far as but, the, uh, are you making progress with the contract? Oh, uh, well, we did have a meeting today. I think it, um, I think it gave us clear understanding of, uh, you know, that there's not much room for uh, negotiations. We're at that, um, I guess, the, um, you know, uh, it's laid out uh, that there's, uh, you know, no clear uh, room for further negotiations on some of the items that were impressed previously. So the arbitration set, I think, within the next week or two, and then it's up to us to make a determination if we can come to an agreement on the um, uh, terms of the contract as they were previously laid out. Is this going to be binding arbitration, or is this more of a mediation where they uh, you have somebody come in and try to facilitate getting to a mutual agreement? Well, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't. I'm not part of you know the negotiations, but the term mediation was um, uh, relayed previously, so I'm not sure if they've reached that point earlier. Okay. Uh, it sounds like they had some uh, feedback uh, with regards to. Uh, particular items within the discussions. But at this point, it's either, you know, we either come to a settlement and then um, otherwise go to the arbitration, and the arbitration would be pretty much what it is. I mean, if you go to the arbitration, they'll uh, discuss each point and they'll rule whichever the uh, case may be. And, Mayor, uh, I'm going to put the question to you again as I did last week. Do you have full faith and confidence in your fire chief? Well, uh, we will, um, as of uh, now, I have my confidence in him. Uh, Full faith. I think the full faith is what direction are we going to take with the fire department? And I think that still needs to be determined. So with the consultant's report in particular, uh, what we will do, and I've talked to him about this, is 
we will form a working group because a lot of times you have plans, you know, like you have plans to relocate fire stations, even though we've studied that to death, none of it's really transpired. So uh, that's what we intend to do with this consultancy report, come up with a working group, um, you know, both the administration side and fire department side and um, uh, work through some of those items within the report to bring them to fruition, which makes sense. Welcome back to the Jim Lee Show. It's our monthly Talk to the Mayor segment. Mayor Jim Langfelder is here with us. And, uh, Mayor, you uh, made the announcement a few days back, your selection to be the next police chief after the retirement of Chief uh, Kenny Winslow. You've chosen uh, Ken Scarlett, who, of course, was an assistant chief in the department, long tenure in the Springfield Police Department. You noted you'd uh, really talk to the entire command staff before making this decision. Why did you settle on Chief Scarlett? Well, actually, the succession plan, that was the, um, you know, the direction we wanted to take. Uh, talking with the command staff reaffirmed that. Uh, so uh, what it showed was the strength of the command staff and how uh, tight the uh, group is and working, uh, again, towards the future and really building upon the, you know, the um, kind of like the culture that uh, – Chief Winslow has started for us. You know, that's a community engagement. How do we be more receptive and building that level of trust within the community? And, uh, you know, Assistant Chief Scarlett understands that. And uh, what was really um, important for me is all the uh, command staff really reaffirmed that direction. This is, we've been talking a lot about uh, various uh, moves toward trying to position uh, uh, departments of city government for the post-pandemic future. Uh, are, are you looking for anything specific from the police department of the next five or ten years? Have you given direction to Chief Scarlett on uh, areas you want him to emphasize or direction you want him to take the department? Well, I think uh, the impetus has been there with regards to, um, you know, all officers, uh, you know, being at that level of service, uh, especially when we talk about neighborhood police officers or the homeless outreach team or officer, I should say, crisis intervention. All officers in this day and age should be, you know, trained to that level uh, where they can answer any particular situation. It's a very challenging job, especially in today's society. Uh, but that's, you know, getting everybody involved in uh, moving in that direction. I think um, as you have the younger ones coming on, I think you're seeing more and more engagement uh, with that direction. But as far as specifics on, you know, like the ShotSpotter technology or, um, you know, ShotSpotter Connect or the LPRs, those are, you know, those are the professional decisions that, uh, uh, you know, the police chief brought to us. And, you know, they uh, we had that discussion and we uh, moved together in that direction. But I rely on the professionalism of each department. You know, I'm uh, going back to your initial question about the library. You know, I'm not uh, the one directing. They're the experts. They should come to us or come to me and say, here's what we want to do. You know, here's the direction I'd like to take. And then we can have those open discussions and, uh, you know, affirm and support each department as we move forward. Quick traffic note, uh, we mentioned earlier I-72 had had a lane blockage because of a, a weather-related crash at uh, mile marker 93. All lanes now open there on I-72. And we are back. More of our conversation now with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. And, Mayor, we always appreciate uh, the time, especially when we know there's just a lot going on keeping uh, folks busy down at City Hall right now. Uh, we were talking a minute ago about the uh, appointment of a new police chief. 
There is also today, though, a pretty disturbing article in the Illinois Times, and it relates to the police department. It's a story about the son of a police detective who actually specializes in sex crimes investigations, and her uh, son in his early 20s is now uh, accused uh, of multiple incidents of molesting uh, underage girls. There have been allegations that perhaps this detective tried to intervene on his behalf. There's missing documentation now pertaining to one of these investigations, uh, information that was sent to the Child Advocacy Center and then disappeared. Uh, a lot of questions about this and about uh, whether there was uh, attempts to intervene uh, on behalf of this detective and her son. Uh, what do you know about this situation and is anything being done to investigate whether any of this was handled improperly by anyone in the Springfield Police Department? Well, and the, uh, I can't speak for the other agencies outside the realm of the police department. Uh, with what I knew, it came to my attention from Chief Winslow, and uh, once uh, the matter was brought to the Springfield Police with regards to a uh, criminal activity, then they, uh, you know, they they followed protocol, which they should have, and I think he turned it uh, probably immediately over to the Illinois State Police. So they act upon that, and. Anybody that knows Chief Winslow, I always called him the Boy Scout, and that's because uh, that's the way he's operated things, and that's what we intend to do as we move forward is, uh, you know, that level of service for everybody to protect and serve everybody. And state police did handle the investigation of the young son, but I guess what I'm asking about is uh, the role of, of the detective herself. Uh, was she in, in any way uh, in, intervening on behalf of her son? Were others intervening to help her protect and shield her son? Is that being investigated at all, to your knowledge? Well, I imagine uh, that's the reason we turned it over to state police, because they do a full investigation of the situation. So, um, that's probably a question better answered by, you know, the details of that to the state police or uh, now acting chief uh, Ken Scarlett until he's affirmed by city council. But that's the protocol, as you would, I would think. Uh, and when you're talking about missing, I think, uh, missing reports or something of that nature, whatever agency had done that, I mean, you have the original. Um, so, you know, when you write a ticket, there's always a carbon copy. So. I'm just not understanding the uh, details of that, but the uh, appropriate agencies would be able to answer those questions or the head of those agencies. All right. Uh, Mayor, uh, we're in the middle of the budget process right now. As we noted, a budget hearing planned for this evening postponed because of the weather. Uh, but even as this was just getting underway, we heard complaints from aldermen uh, that they just didn't really get uh, information in a timely fashion. They got the budget book 72 hours before the first budget hearing. We're now through a couple of these budget hearings. How do you feel like the, the process is going so far, and uh, what's your sense as to how well the uh, aldermen are buying into your spending plan and your priorities for the city? I think uh, this year's better. I know, uh, you know, I was there when they, you know, made those comments, and, you know, I understand that. Um, you know, with the our fiscal year, usually we try to get those out first part of January. I think it was middle of January or the third week of January, uh, so we were a week, uh, maybe two weeks late on that. But uh, the good news is we're on a uh, the plus side. We've been in the budget discussions, where, which are entirely worse, is when you have to cut and things of that nature. But we've uh, been good uh, fiduciary stewards, uh, especially during the pandemic. And then, of course, you have the ARPA funds, which is of great interest. And we've you know had ward plan meetings to discuss those. 
gathered feedback and council meetings from the council members, and that's the uh, budget we kind of rolled out. So I think it's been a healthy discussion, and we really appreciate the aldermen, uh, all city council members coming to those, because I've been uh, previous when I was treasurer or other times where not all the council members would participate. So it does show the interest of uh, the council members, and that makes for a stronger budget when it's all said and done. Uh, one of the things we heard in Budget Director Bill McCarty's presentation to the City Council is that some of the uh, forms of revenue we've traditionally relied upon uh, are not uh, what they used to be. Telecom taxes, for example, a major funding source for Lincoln Library. But as people have gotten rid of their landlines, the telecom tax revenue has plunged. Uh, we know that sales tax revenue, another major funder of city operations, can be pretty volatile. And the city hasn't really made much of any changes to its property tax structure uh, in years. And what property taxes we do collect generally goes to pensions. Do we need to have an, a, an overhaul of how we get revenue for city government operations and uh, some of the, uh, the funding sources for those operations? Well, that's, uh, you just pointed out the importance of a diversified revenue uh, stream from, you know, you have the sales tax, you have, now it's hotel motel, which will come into play, uh, of course, property taxes we haven't raised since the 1980s, uh, but all that goes is consumed by the police and fire pensions. Uh, so where you really make the difference is economic development. So you look at the actions we took when the pandemic's happening. Uh, we did take the action with the city council support, which we appreciate, with the uh, legacy sports complex. That's going to be a huge driver of economic activity for the city of Springfield. They'll bolster hotel motel tax dollars probably exponentially. And so hopefully uh, those type of activities, which will help buffer sales tax associated with them dining at restaurants or shopping, whatever the case may be, will help drive those revenue sources. The other source of revenue has been cannabis. Uh, that's helped, uh, especially with the extra payment of, uh, to the pensions as well as development for the east side. And then um, that's what you hope happens uh, through all the you know, different uh, revenue strains, but it really economic development can drive those factors exponentially. The other item that he might not have touched on was the online sales tax that's been implemented uh, through the federal uh, regulations, and now we're finally seeing the, uh, the results of that, and that's one of the reasons our budget this year has been uh, in better, a better financial position than previously. Speaking of revenue, uh, we have talked a bit in the past about the airport authority's complaint that the city improperly held on to revenue from aviation fuel sales taxes. And I know you disagree with the airport authority's position on this. They have uh, uh, obtained a lawyer. They have talked about litigation. You want to have a meeting with the airport authority uh, on this. Have there been any more talks or any movement in that dispute? Well, the only movement I'm aware of is uh, then they followed up with saying that we weren't paying um rent at a hangar yeah. uh, that we were supposed to be, but that was proven false because uh, we have a reciprocal agreement where the police provide services to the airport, and that was part of the reciprocal agreement. So that's something we'll have to follow up on as well as the motor fuel tax situation. But just to clarify on that situation, the dollar still came, came to the city, and if we do come to an agreement, that's pretty much in our court if we want to. But uh, what we would agree upon is that we have to uh, spend that on airport activity. So one of the things I would like to see is uh, a strategy developed to kind of uh, uh, how do we correct the uh, runoff of citizens, our Springfield residents, flying out of Bloomington, Peoria, and other areas. How can we reverse that trend 
and do an analysis and come up with a strategy to uh, correct that so we can, you know, enjoy better amenities at the airport. One of the, uh, you know, ways, obviously, that you get more people to fly out of your airport is if you have more destinations to choose from, and the airport recently did add uh, the Phoenix area uh, as a destination there. Is that a step in the right direction? Oh, without a doubt. You know, and then the other thing, they have done improvements out there, uh, especially on the private uh, airline side. But um, I still hear, you know, about the amenities on the other side of the gate once you check in. Uh, there's not much amenities, so uh, that's what we'd like to see. But, you know, I think, um, you know, there's I've appointed quality individuals to the board, and, you know, I expect all of them to work together for that common, you know, theme of how do we improve the services of the airport. And as you know, Jim, the city is criticized all the time. And uh, lo and behold, if we ever critique the county or the airport, it's like hands off. But the airport is one of our biggest economic drivers that hasn't been utilized like it should. And that's the point I've been trying to make all this time. But all this stems back from the simple fact that as a honest move, you know, I've served on many boards and have a longtime chairman. Usually that's a revolving um, kind of a revolving seat. And the other individual stays on the board, stays active tries to support it, and when we try to do that through Mike Houston, it was met with, uh, you know, fury. So, and that I think that's what a lot of this underlying pinning is with regards to, but we need to focus on how do we deliver better services for our residents so they'll fly out of Springfield. Welcome back to the Jim Leach Show. Once a month, we check in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder to talk about a wide assortment of issues impacting city government, and we are nearing the end of that conversation for this month of February, but still a few more issues to get to. So, Mayor, let's uh, turn our attention to uh, City Water, Light, and Power. A lot of focus on their uh, coal ash ponds. Uh, we know that they are still uh, hoping to get a reprieve from the U.S. EPA, which has told them they've got to shut those things down sooner rather than later, which could have a big impact on both electric and water operations. And CWLP this week has... Uh, formally submitted its permit application to the Illinois EPA. So when they eventually do have to close those ponds, whenever that may be, they would just cap them in place rather than hauling that coal ash away. Environmental groups are pretty upset about that, and they say that's going to pose a real risk to groundwater there. So uh, bring us up to speed on both of those. Uh, let's start with the U.S. EPA because, uh, again, time is really of the essence here, and it seems like the utility has, has made the decision they're just going to wait through this public comment period that's underway. Uh, rather than, at least when I talked to Doug Brown, rather than asking our congressional delegation to intervene and, uh, and to try to put pressure on the U.S. EPA, what's happening to try to make sure that uh, those coal ash ponds uh, aren't going to close so quickly that it impacts both electric and water operations? Well, um, there's a plan and actually a process we're working with Hanson engineers to uh, you know that go with our original approach, which was a cap in place. And so that would be done, I think, in October 2023. So that was the plan of action. We were moving towards that. Uh, we thought that the uh, U.S. EPA would work with us uh, towards that end game, uh, but uh, with their recent ruling, that could be in jeopardy. And so uh, there's a public comment period. I think uh, through the end of February, we're asking for a 30-day extension to give us more time to, uh, again, like you had pointed out, work with our delegation and um, see, uh, making sure everybody understands the significance of what what they're asking. And so I don't think they understood the uh, connection with our water, and that's uh, what we use for some of our wastewater associated with that. Uh, so, or I should say the lime, um, uh, the lime disposal. 
associated with the water. But uh, with regards to that, that's what we intend to do is, um, you know, meet with the delegation um, and uh, move in that direction. So I think when it's all said and done, Hanson, you know, pointed out pretty um, matter of fact where everybody could understand it the uh, last or two city council ago, an update of what some of the information that we provided that they didn't really uh, observe when they did the review. Uh, and as for the, the camping in place versus hauling uh, all of that uh, residue away, uh, and there's downsides to both. Obviously, leaving it there is a whole lot cheaper. But uh, again, there are concerns from environmental groups that you were just asking for trouble to leave all that sitting there so close to the lake, so close to groundwater uh, that you uh, are, are inevitably going to have uh, contamination problems there. How confident are you that that won't be the case? Well, it's one of the... Uh you know, that's one of the acceptable methods is to cap in place. And ash, it's my understanding, it turns rock hard. So you cap it so there is a, uh, you know, kind of a covering over it so it, uh, water can't penetrate in there and infiltrate to the groundwater. You converse that to what would happen if they want us to remove everything. That means I think it's nearly, uh, I'm going from memory, but I think it was like nearly 100 truckloads a day moving coal ash from those sites. And if you've been around coal ash, it's real fine powdery substance and you're going to drive that down the interstate and you're going to dump it somewhere and then so you think you'd have a groundwater problem or could have i don't think you would but wherever you take it that's inevitably what's going to happen so and that process of removing is like a seven and a half year process where capping in place would be done by 2026 so um it's just uh it's more practical it's uh, probably you know in my opinion a better practice then hauling the coal ash to who knows where and where are you going to dump it, uh, you know, nobody would know. Time at for this a... point, I don't think there's any, you know, I think they probably looked at that, but uh, I think they ruled it out just because of the, um, you know, kind of the variables that could come into play. It's time for our monthly question on Hunter Lake, and uh, Alderman McMenamin <laughs> reached out a couple of weeks back, said he wants to explore the city possibly uh, pulling water out of Lake Sancris. There's a power plant there that uses that lake, but that plant's going to be closed in the next couple of years. He says that would be uh, an opportunity to pull water out of Sancris. You wouldn't have to take it too far to get to a point where you could put it into the South Fork uh, of the Sangamon River and then get it back uh, to Lake Springfield. Uh, have you talked to the Alderman about that? Does that seem like a, a, a cheaper viable option for additional water well we've uh, looked at those options and of course with the uh, change of the environment or the energy bill who knows what's going to transpire and then if you have a change of administrations which we've seen on the federal level or the state level things can change at a moment's notice so really what we're after is we need a quality uh, quantifiable source a backup water source for Springfield and so that's what we're after uh, we do owe, own over 90 percent of the water or the uh, rights of the property in the Hunter Lake uh, footprint. And so that's what we've asked the Army Corps for. They haven't looked at the uh, San Crist option, but uh, you know, the uh, that's what we're pursuing. So um, that's where we're heading as far as that goes. But you know, where we end up, if they say no to the Hunter Lake permit, we wanted to have, what's your backup? We have to have a backup solution. So what is that? So it's just not no, yes or no on the permit. If it's a no, we want to know what are they going to grant. And it can't be a pipeline 50 miles to Havana or some other um, project that's not attainable. So that's the most attainable one right now that we know of is Hunter Lake, and that's why we're pursuing it.
Finally, Mayor, less than a minute left. Uh, we are just a few weeks away from the spring of 2022. It's when a young man's and woman's fancy starts turning to thoughts of the 2023 elections. When are you going to make a formal announcement about uh, your reelection next year? Yeah, hopefully uh, within the next couple months. And like I said before, is uh, I'm always uh, ready to run. You have to be ready to run uh, because you can't gear up to that. So I'm ready to run. It's a determination if I'm not going to. And that's what uh, we'll decide or I'll decide in the next couple months. We'll be looking forward to that and looking forward to talking to you again next month. Mayor Jim Langfelder, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thank you. Have a great day.